everyone. Good day to you. Welcome to the first ever edition of the Starter Zone, your source for news about video games, esports, and more. I am your guide, Amanda, and I will be bringing you the headlines from all of the gaming news sources. So today we're going to talk a little bit about Apple's yearly Worldwide Developers Conference. We're going to take a look at the new Spider-Man movie debut, hear a promise from Microsoft, and more. Let's grab your gear and get you started. We're going to go ahead and start off with the big one. This one's Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference. It's commonly known as WWDC. The 2023 showcase has officially taken place, and they debuted a lot of various new products. This year, the Apple community has fallen in love with the probable launch of Apple's first-ever VR headset. Not all that they debuted, but this was the big one. The Apple Vision Pro VR AR Mixed Reality headset was announced by Tim Cook to round off the conference. It was his one-more-thing announcement that Apple has become infamous for. The most notable part of the design of the headset is that users can see your eyes through the headset, which many might find to be a little awkward at first. Users are going to be able to control the OS through finger gestures that also work with your eyes and your voice at the same time. This is going to be able to control various apps on a particular device or even your very own MacBook just by looking at it. The Vision Pro will launch with Disney Plus on day one and is working on a few new experiences with properties like Marvel and Star Wars. When it comes to the design, the headset will feature laminated glass, a digital crown similar to the Apple Watch, a machine-built per-eye distance adjustment as well as spatial audio with a 3D knitted headband. Each lens is going to provide 23 million pixels, which Apple claims gives user a higher pixel density than the 4K TV in each eye. My brain is going to have some trouble with this one. Now, the Vision Pro headset is powered by yet another OS from Apple called Vision OS. Paired with the M2 and R1 chips from Apple, it offers iOS frameworks, multi-app capabilities, special audio, and more. This is scheduled for release in early 2024, currently priced at... $3,499 US. I may have to pass on this one. The next thing that they also debuted was the 15-inch MacBook Air. This has a very thin 5-millimeter border that the 15.3-inch MacBook Air is powered by the Apple M2 chip, and it's supposed to get 50% more battery life compared to its PC counterparts. This is slated to start at $1,299 US dollars. And that MacBook is actually available now. Apple lowered the price of the 13-inch MacBook Air that has the M1 variant now being around $999. The brand new M2 variant is going to be priced at $1,299. They also revealed the M2 Ultra version of the popular Apple Silicon, bringing it to the Mac Studio as well as the full-size Mac Pro. And the M2 Ultra is the most powerful variant of the M2 chip and is going to be used for professional tasks such as video and imaging editing. Apple also revealed their next version of its mobile OS. It's going to be called iOS 17. Alongside that reveal are multiple updates to the iPhone's most used apps, including live voicemail in the default phone app. 
Among other things, Apple revealed updates to AirDrop, AutoCorrect, and Messages, as well as a few new apps coming through the update. One of the new apps is called Journal. This will give Apple users a native app for keeping track of their day with dated posts and notifications for reminders. A long-rumored feature coming to iOS 17 is called Standby. This gives users the ability to turn their iPhone into a smart device with various widgets to track time, live activities, and more. Now, for iPad OS 17, Apple has improved their widgets by giving developers the ability to interact more. They're also coming to the iPad lock screen, something many have been after since they were launched for iOS. They've even brought over live activities, allowing users to track multiple things live as it happens. Mac OS Sonoma was revealed, and it's bringing widgets to the home screen that works alongside your iPhone. To make Apple's limited gaming proposition over Mac even better, Game Mode makes gaming on a Mac even more immersive and offers low-latency audio with AirPods and has enhanced the polling rates of Xbox and PS5 controllers. They're also improving updates to Safari, including improvements to the private browser windows and a passkey support for passwords and profiles. Web apps are also going to be coming to Sonoma and allow users to turn websites into an app-like experience. The Apple Watch OS X was also revealed, bringing a smart stack of widgets to the watch for the first time. Now, a new app design method brings improvements to Apple's first-party programs and will give developers a new way to make their apps beautiful. The company has also introduced a variety of new workout features, very cool, as well as new systems for golf and tennis players. Now, this next piece isn't exactly an Apple Worldwide Developer Conference story, but it is kind of a small companion piece. This one is in relation to Dr. Disrespect. There's a name we haven't exactly heard in a hot minute. The two-time blockbuster video games champion made his home on YouTube after being given a permanent ban from Twitch nearly three years ago. We still don't know why. He knows, and Twitch knows, but we don't know. But he's remained a hugely successful streamer on YouTube, where he and another banned Twitch streamer, iShowSpeed, reigned supreme in 2022. However, despite almost three years of being on his best behavior, the doc got hit with a sudden ban from YouTube on June 5th of 2023, leaving audiences shocked. Like every other tech enthusiast, Doc tuned in to the Worldwide Developer event on June 5th, where it was revealing the new products like the 15-inch MacBook Air and the launch of iOS 17. But what he didn't expect was to get the boot from YouTube while streaming the copyrighted content. But that's exactly what happened. The doc's stream came to a very abrupt end during the event with a message on screen that says stream suspended for policy violations. Now, luckily for his fans, his stream was back up and running after just a brief moment, looked like it was only down for about five to ten minutes. But he made sure to put a pause on watching that keynote broadcast. At first, the two-timer streamer seemed confused about the ban. What, I guess we can't watch the Apple event or what, he asked? Is that the issue? I just want to see this headset, man. Give me back my son, he joked. You can't stop the doc, he continued. Now, of course, Doc couldn't help but poke fun at his fellow streamers after it was revealed that XQC had tuned into the broadcast after learning that he got the slap on the wrist from YouTube. 
But for now, everything seems to be back in order for Dr. Disrespect. This is just the latest news to come from the two-time streamer after he broke character to advertise the second batch of his Black Steel bourbon last week. A big thank you to Desherto.com for both of these articles. So our next story is going to be from IGN, and we're going to take a look at Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. This is the second movie that's come out about the animated Spider-Verse, the multiverse of Spider-Man. Then the first one, we got our introduction to Miles Morales, and so this is his second outing. So let's see how he did. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, according to Comscore, swung to an amazing $120.5 million domestic weekend box office victory. In addition, Miles' latest adventure reached $208.6 million worldwide, set the record for Sony Pictures' biggest animated opening of all time. Now, that is more than triple what Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse did in 2018. That movie opened to 35 million over the weekend. 35 million in 2018. Here's the second movie. We've tripled that. It's 120 in just the first weekend. That's amazing. And to be honest, I'm really looking forward to the third one at this point. But to continue, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse has now passed Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3's $114 million opening to earn the second place spot on the list of 2023 opening weekends. And now it's just sitting right behind the Super Mario Brothers at $137 million. That was a cool movie too. In the review that IGN did for Across the Spider-Verse, they said, Miles and Gwen's search for their place in the multiverse is relentless and it's exciting, almost to a fault. And though the plot is often an afterthought to the pure chaos of creation on display, strong performances and character arcs that feel true to the heroes that we met last time are going to help ensure that Across the Spider-Verse is more than worthy follow-up to an all-time classic. And as a quick reminder uh, for those that are fans of the Spider-Man games, Marvel's Spider-Man 2, which is the upcoming action-adventure game being developed by Insomniac Games, and it's being published by Sony Interactive, that is currently said to come out in the fall of 2023. Now, Sony showed part of its gameplay in a reveal back during the PlayStation Showcase in May of 23, showing a mission featuring Peter Parker wearing the symbiote suit and teaming up with Miles Morales to go after Craven's hunters to capture Dr. Kurt Connors. Chaos ensues because it's Spider-Man. So we're going to look forward to seeing a little bit more about that as that comes out and making a trip to the theaters this weekend to go see Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. We're going to stick with IGN for a few more minutes here, and we're going to talk a little bit about something that Microsoft has promised. So, so far we've had the PlayStation exposition. We've had Apple come out with their showcase. Microsoft is coming out shortly with theirs. Now, theirs is supposed to happen on the 11th of June. They're doing their Xbox game showcase. So what did they promise? Microsoft promises no full CG trailers for Xbox showcase first-party games. Microsoft has told their Xbox fans to not expect a CGI fest when it comes to first-party games at the upcoming showcase. The Xbox marketing chief, Aaron Greenberg, said in a tweet, None of our first-party games in the show are full CG trailers. Everything is either in-game footage, in-engine footage, or in-game footage with some cinematics. 
Each of our trailers will be labeled, so it will hopefully clear for our fans. Now, fans have criticized both Microsoft and Sony for showcase events that had so little gameplay. The PlayStation Showcase was almost all trailers of CG. Most of their reveals were all those little mini-movies. You didn't really even get to see the gameplay. And the backlash was pretty immense. Now, I didn't watch the showcase. I watched the reactions to the showcase, and so many people were so mad. It's like, how am I supposed to play this game? Okay, great. It's a movie. That's not satisfying. And so apparently Microsoft was watching too, and they took note of the reactions. The game showcase and Starfield Direct will run about two hours, according to Greenberg, and will feature video games only. He said, can confirm there will be no movie or TV show trailers in our game show. Greenberg also said Microsoft will not commit to a 12-month release deadline for games shown during its showcase. This is in contrast to the approach it took to last year's event, in which Microsoft said that all games shown would be playable within 12 months. But that promise was broken, with Hollow Knight Silksong perhaps the most high-profile casualty. Now, the Xbox Game Showcase will be live-streamed on June 11th, starting at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. UK, and a Starfield Direct will follow immediately after. So, what should the fans expect from this? With pressure on Microsoft to deliver following a string of high-profile failures, the likes of Obsidian's Avowed and Ninja Theory's Hellblade 2 will hopefully get their time to shine, while Playground's Fable... It's already been teased, and I'm really looking forward to this one. But you can also check out Podcast Unlocked for IGN's prediction on the showcase. So our next story is going to be coming from IGN, and we are going to talk a little bit about Diablo 4. Now, those that had the Ultimate Edition of the game got access to it back on the 1st of June. Everybody else who bought the regular version gets access on June the 6th, but... They've already announced there's two expansions coming for this game. This is coming from general manager Rod Ferguson. He spoke with Kind of Funny Games and said, As I sit here, we're about to launch the main game. We're finishing up Season 1. We're working on Season 2, and we're working on Expansion 1. We're kicking off Expansion 2. We're working on that now, and we haven't even launched the game. Ferguson also adds that the live service format of Diablo 4 allows for more substantial content to be included over time in the season format as opposed to how Diablo 3 was. Now, previously, Ferguson mentioned that Diablo 4's expansions will have narrative quest lines and will have a lot richer content around the seasons where Diablo 3's was just centered on adding mechanics and balancing them. Now, the two expansions already put Diablo 4 ahead of its predecessors in terms of post-release content. Diablo 2 and 3 each received one major expansion apiece, although both continue to be really well supported by patches and other content updates. Now, Blizzard has said that Diablo 4 will be updated for years after launch, and it has already revealed a very robust roadmap going forward. Now, while Diablo 4 doesn't properly release until it gets out of early access on June the 6th, players have already hit level 100 in hardcore mode and have been immortalized by putting getting their names on Blizzard's Lilith statue. In IGN's Diablo 4 review, they said Diablo 4 takes the strategy 
of refining things the series already did so well, rather than giving it a more substantial overhaul. And that careful and reverent path has shaped this massive sequel into one of the most polished ARPGs ever created, which makes slicing through the Legions of the Damned a hell of a good time. We're going to stick with IGN for a moment because now they have a little bit of information about a Microsoft story that's breaking news. Microsoft earlier had made the promise about having as little CGI in their trailers in their upcoming showcase, but now they're getting hit by the Federal Trade Commission. Microsoft is going to have to pay $20 million in fines after settling a legal dispute with the FTC in which it was found to have breached data protection laws by collecting and withholding information on children using Xbox without proper parental consent. The complaint said that Microsoft had breached the provisions that were laid out in the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, also known as COPPA. The law stipulates that online service providers must notify parents of their intentions and seek consent before they can collect and use the personal data of children under the age of 13. According to a press release from the FTC, children were able to create an account to use Xbox services by entering details, including first and last names, email addresses, dates of birth, and even their mobile numbers, up until late 2021 in the online form. Only once all of the information had been entered were the minors asked to involve their parents who would then go on to complete the form and create the account. However, between 2015 and 2020, Microsoft was found to have retained information on children in the instances where the parent did not complete that creation process and therefore did not consent to the data collection. In certain instances, this information was held for years despite the COPA maintaining a provision that such data must be retained for no longer than, quote, reasonably necessary to fulfill the purpose for which it was collected, unquote. The complaint also said Microsoft combined the gamer tags and avatars of children under the age of 13 with the unique persistent identifier created for all such accounts, and they could share this information with third-party apps and game developers. In an Xbox Wire post, Microsoft attributed the lengthy data retention to a, quote, technical glitch, unquote, while noting that it was a company policy to save such information for a period of only 14 days. The issue has since been fixed, and Microsoft assured players that the data in question was, quote, never used, shared, or monetized, unquote. Alongside the $20 million fine, the proposed settlement will require Microsoft to implement numerous changes as to how it handles user information and creates player accounts. Quote, our proposed order makes it easier for parents to protect their children's privacy on Xbox and limits what information Microsoft can collect and retain about kids, unquote, commented director of the FTC's Bureau of Consumer Protection, Samuel Levine. Quote, this action should also make it abundantly clear that kids' avatars, biometric data, and health information are not exempt from COPA, unquote. Microsoft account creation now requires the user to input their date of birth first and, if they are under 18, obtain verified parental consent before further information is entered. Furthermore, all account holders under the age of 13 who made an account before May of 2021 
will need to get a parent to re-verify parental consent. The data complaint isn't the only story involving Microsoft and the FTC. The multi-trillion dollar company is currently gearing up for yet another legal battle with the regulator after it was revealed in December of 2022 that it would challenge Microsoft's proposed $69 billion merger with Activision Blizzard. Preliminary hearings for that case are set to begin in August later this year. A big thank you to GameSpot.com for this next article. According to them, Dead Cells Studio is going to revive two dormant franchises. I'm really, really hoping one is Castlevania. Now, Dead Cells is one of the successful indie games of all time, and it now seems that the studio behind it is starting to turn its attention to different projects. In a recent interview with GamesIndustry.biz, Evil Empire CEO Steve Philby said that the studio is working on two massive video game franchises from third-party IP owners. Unfortunately, he didn't yet reveal what they're going to be. But according to the interview, this is something that Philby has wanted to do since the early days of Dead Cells development at its original developer, Motion Twin, where he served as the CEO. However, Motion Twin was more interested in working on its own intellectual property, even though several large players offered to let the developer work on an external IP. Philby goes on to explain that now that Dead Cells stewardship has switched over to Evil Empire, the path is now open. He said, quote, Eventually, people actually started asking me directly, saying, Well, look, you guys are doing all this work on Dead Cells now. You've taken over things, and what you're doing is fantastic, Why don't you make the next game in this X awesome series that you've been playing since you were a child, unquote. And so from there, we ended up signing with two third-party IP holders to make the next installments in these really massive video game franchises, unquote. Philby further confirmed that the IPs that the studio is working on have been, quote, dormant for a long time. That opens that up. One is planning to come out in early access next year, and the other is not slated until 2025. He also said the studio will be reinventing each series rather than just rehashing a previous entry. Though it's likely we don't know what Evil Empire is working on, and we won't know for a while, there's a pretty obvious possibility that one of them is Castlevania. Dead Cells recently received a large update that essentially turned the game into an old-school vampire hunt, And Konami has made it clear that it's open to working with third-party developers on its IP, per the recently announced Metal Gear Solid 3 remake. But there's no confirmation yet, so we're trying not to get our hopes up too high, but we're getting our hopes up high. Oh, Epic Games, such controversy, much Fortnite, but free games, right? Well, according to an article from Kotaku, it looks like Epic very quietly canceled an Unreal Tournament release. In December of 2022, so just six months ago, Epic decided to close a bunch of servers for the old Unreal Tournament games. This was bad news for long-suffering fans, but hey, it was met with a silver lining. Epic leaked slash announced plans to re-release Unreal Tournament 3. For free, no strings attached. An update on Unreal Tournament 3's Steam page, which was left public and accessible for months, revealed the game would feature crossplay across all three of the PC's major shop fronts. So we're talking Steam, Epic Game Store, and GOG. And Epic wrote on the page, 
no microtransactions, no strings attached. This is the fully featured, award-winning, first-person shooter that you fell in love with, completely free. But it turns out there was at least one string attached, though, because as pointed out in a tweet, the game has now simply disappeared. All mentions of Unreal Tournament 3's Steam page of there being a new free version having recently been removed. Meanwhile, if you search for Unreal Tournament on Epic or GOG, you get zero, zero goose egg results. As for confirmation of the release's cancellation, an Epic spokesperson told, told Kotaku, we have nothing to share. Well, that sucks. The server shutdown was bad enough, but if this release has been canceled as well, then that means there will be zero goose egg again. Unreal Tournament games of available on any of the three biggest shop fronts on the PC. And this is the second time something like this has happened because Epic canceled an earlier Unreal Tournament reboot back in 2018. Now, Unreal Tournament was a huge series, and while its later games didn't quite have the same impact, the earlier titles were foundational in the development of the multiplayer first-person shooter as we know them today. So to see the series' legacy neglected like this by the company who even originally released it, no less, is a massive bummer to the fans now having to rely on community servers and piracy to even play the games. All right, we're going to talk this next section about esports. Now, there's a very big story that's been brewing in the news. It's an ongoing thing. And unless you're really involved in the League of Legends, LCS, or Riot uh, scene, you're not going to know a whole lot about what's going on. But it's a pretty big piece of news. And it might actually reverberate out to affect other championship series, other games. So let's talk about that for a little bit. Real fun fact real quick. Did you know that the first esports tournament on a major level was back in 1978? Atari did it with Space Invaders. Now you know. The League Championship Series is the top level of professional League of Legends in the United States and Canada. This league is run by Riot Games, and there are 10 franchise teams. Now, each annual season of competition is divided into what they call splits, and there are two of them, the Spring and the Summer Split, which conclude with a double elimination tournament between the top eight teams. At the end of the season, the winner... The runners-up and the third-place teams of the summer playoffs will qualify for the World Championship. That typically goes on around October of each year. Now, with the exception of some touring events, they're all played live at the Riot Games Arena in Los Angeles. Now, the teams are also required to have a smaller secondary team that plays like an academy situation. Well, what's happened now is that the LCS players have walked out. So now we have a summer split that was supposed to have already started. They just did a walkout. Let's explain what's going on. So the 2023 LCS summer split could actually completely be in jeopardy after the members of the LCS Players Association, known as the LCSPA, voted in favor of a walkout. It's been really thrown into uncertainty because they voted overwhelmingly May 28th to do this walkout. This announcement highlights just how far apart that the parent company Riot Games and the Players Associations are in terms of certain issues regarding the future of North American League of Legends. Okay, so why did they do a walkout vote? The vote was triggered by Riot's removal of the obligation that the League Championship Series team had to compete 
in what they called the North American Challengers League. Now, the Challengers League is the smaller division. It's the, it's the academy teams. It's where you go to have the younger players develop. It's the developmental league. And that can be pulled up to a regular LCS roster. So they were running two teams at one time under the league banner. Well, the Players Association felt betrayed by this decision because they weren't consulted. And Riot had promised no changes were going to be made to the league before 2024. Well, here we are midway 2023 and changes are being made. Seven organizations immediately pulled out of the Challengers League, which means as many as 70 players, coaches, and managers lost their job overnight. This is according to the association. This information is coming from DeCerto, by the way. Collective action of this kind is really unprecedented in the LCS, although there has been longstanding friction between Riot Games and the Players Association. In March of 2020, the Players Association voted to cancel the remainder of the spring split because of the global health emergency of COVID-19. In the end, Riot decided to keep both LCS and the Academy League going in a remote setup. And the players felt they were disappointed because they felt like they weren't being taken into consideration. Unlike then, however, the association has now decided to take action. After several days in which the possibility of a walkout seemed very much real, Riot Games decided to postpone the start of the summer tournament by at least two weeks with hopes of finding common ground with the association. However, if no agreement is reached, Riot Games is considering canceling the summer split and eliminating the region's spots at Worlds, which means no North American teams would be able to compete in Worlds 2023. That's a massive bummer for us North American fans. Okay, so now I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into a whole bunch of stuff, so bear with me. May 28th, the players in the LCS, North America's top League of Legends competition, voted in favor of a walkout following the controversial mandate removal that said they the teams had to field a roster in the Challengers League. Now, the teams had long sought the possibility to opt out of this developmental league, and they voted to drop the requirement due to financial concerns after what was referred to as the eSports winter. But within days, all but three of the 10 LCS teams had announced that they were dropping out of the Challengers League before the summer split started. Only FlyQuest, Team Liquid, and Evil Geniuses opted to remain in the league, but questions are now going to remain about their plans beyond this year. Riot's decision prompted an immediate response from the LCS Players Association. They accused the developer of pandering to the team's needs and putting the Challenger League's future at risk. They said in a statement, Riot failed today to provide any plan to ensure that the Challengers League remains a viable talent pipeline for the NA. Now, the executive director of the LCSPA, Philip Aram, said that Riot made the call without consulting the association. They found out about the ongoing discussions between the developer and the LCS teams through information leaked online. Aram said in an interview with Travis Gafford, we have been lied to. We were told throughout the process this year for, from many people at Riot that changes were being considered for 2024, and that is not what's happened. So the LCSPA outlined a series of demands for the NACL for 2024 and beyond, including adding a promotion system and a revenue sharing program. But these proposals were unaddressed by Riot, 
forcing the LCSPA to call a vote on the walkout. So what is the LCSPA? It was established back in 2017 by Riot Games as the LCS was about to enter a franchising era. During those early years, some of the association's biggest wins were the creation of a central contract database that allowed players to share salary and contract information with each other to improve bargaining power among the players. The ease of streaming requirements into contracts and the creation of the first ever Player Summit. But in late 2020, Riot Games announced that it was ending its funding agreement with the LCSPA. Darshan Opadaya, the association's president, said that the LCSPA would take this opportunity to, quote, completely rebuild from the ground up, unquote. Philip Aram, a former chief gaming officer at Evil Geniuses, joined the LCSPA executive director back in April of 21. Now, in March of 2022, the LCSPA announced a multi-year partnership with one team to manage and commercialize the group's rights for all 100 players competing at both the championship series level and the academy level. Members of the LCSPA will, can also provide what they call external support to the America's Valorant Player Association. Valorant is another game developed by Riot Games. So they were able to do both games at the same time and help each other. Now, each team in the LCS is represented by a player in the LCSPA, with the executive council being made up of five different people. The advisory board has six members. Most of these people on the executive council are former players, such as Darshan, Core JJ, Fudge, Vulcan, and Revenge. But what were the demands? So they made these demands of Riot. Riot didn't respond. But what did they ask for? They asked for the following. They want to institute Valorant-style promotion and relegation between the LCS and the NACL. Okay? Allow LCS organizations to partner with affiliates for cost sharing. For Riot to commit to a revenue pool for player salaries of $300,000 per NACL team per year. Institute a 3-5 roster continuity rule that provides players on release Challenger-level rosters will remain priority in maintaining their slots in the upcoming season if the majority continue to compete together. Riot would guarantee LCS minimum contracts for the following year for the five players who win the summer finals every year. One of the biggest changes proposed is the introduction of the promotion system that would tie LCS and NACL together, which is similar to what apparently is being done in Valorant. When announcing the revamped Valorant Champions Tour circuit, Riot Games established a promotion and relegation system in the three international leagues that they have. Each region, the winner of the promotion tournament called Ascension, will earn a two-year slot in the international league. In addition to having the opportunity to compete against the region's best teams, the promoted teams will also receive a revenue share can qualify for international events like the VCT Masters and Valorant Champions tournaments. And after those two years, the teams drop down to Challenger League and they have to qualify again. So it creates a, a rotating roster through the challenge systems. And the third possibility to have a third-party entity help LCS teams run their Challenger roster would be an incentive to keep supporting the league. According to Aram on the Four Horsemen show, he said, based on our calculations, this would cut the cost of running an NACL team in half for every organization. 
All right, so now we come to May 31st in a statement from the global head of LOL Esports, Riot Games, finally addressed the walkout vote and the list of demands that were presented by the Players Association. It was admitted that the academy system that was been in place up until now has been ineffective and that the new NACL model is a vital step toward building a prosperous and sustainable ecosystem that can replicate what has been done successfully in other major regions. In order to further help the NACL through the transition, Riot Games decided to give Rallycry, the league's partner, a $300,000 fee. This funding, according to the developer, is in addition to the revenue share model that was announced last week. Riot Games also decided to postpone the start of the LCS summer split by two weeks, setting a new start date of June 15th. The statement continues to read, hopefully this two-week window will give us time for productive dialogue between the LCSPA, the teams, the league, and then resume LCS competition this summer. Now, Riot noted that further delays to the summer split will make it, quote, nearly impossible to run a legitimate competition, unquote. If that is the case, Riot is prepared to cancel the entire summer season, which would eliminate this region's slot at Worlds 2023. They don't really want to do that, but that's the unfortunate reality of making sure they have a fair, competitive global system. Now, the global head of esports also addressed the demands presented, arguments as to why four are not viable. As for the request to allow LCS teams to partner with affiliates, they said Riot Games has encouraged affiliate relationships between the LCS and the NACL. But no mention was made about Riot's attempts to push LCS teams to field scab players in this time, or the reported temporary lifting of solo queue rank requirements to ensure that the franchise squads had a roster ready to play. So what was that? As part of their contracts to be the pro players on these LCS teams, players had to play solo games on their off time and maintain a certain rank, which means you have to play so many hours every week to maintain your position. If you weren't able to maintain your position on the leaderboards, you wouldn't be able to be eligible for a slot. There was a rumor that they were going to lift that rank requirement, which means that the teams would be able to scab lower tier players to fill their rosters just to make the summer split happen. Now, this statement that they've made doesn't address that at all, It's still a rumor at this point, but it really puts a lot of things into consideration. It really makes it where, does LCS want this to continue? Do they want their players back? What's the ultimate goal here? Now, they say they want their people back. They want to begin discussions, but what kind of headway are we really making here? Now, the next two weeks are bound to be really tense because Riot and the LCSPA are supposed to be sitting down to discuss these matters about the future of the ecosystem, but it's really clear Riot's going to be playing hardball at the negotiation table, and it's going to be refusing to be held hostage with what they think are unreasonable. And they're willing to completely just blow the whole season out of the water and say, forget it, we're not doing it, just to just to win this case. Now, despite the majority of the players voting in favor of this walkout, the possibility that the summer split is canceled is really weighing heavily on some players. 
eight-time LCS winner Double Lift has said that he is prepared to, quote, let go of the situation, unquote, if it saves the summer split and NA's attendance at Worlds. Now, many have criticized Double Lift, one of LCS's household names, for caving in while negotiations are still underway. In response, the 100 Thieves star said that those who claimed he'd sabotage negotiations are quote, a little bit delusional, unquote, and revealed that Aram even thanked him for his comments. Now, Double went on to say that the LCSPA's list of demands was unrealistic and argued against the expansion of the LCS with challengers teams, stating the league really should have fewer teams, not more. And with Double being one of the LCS's most popular players, many believe his comments may have taken the wind out of the Players Association's sales, it eroded any leverage that the association still held in any of these negotiations. Community figure Christian I Will Dominate Rivera wrote on Twitter, just completely ruined the LCSPA negotiations for his personal stream. In a June 4th live stream, Doublelift had addressed the criticism he faced for his previous comments. He called the notion that he ruined negotiations a, quote, brain-dead take, unquote, and revealed that LCSPA Executive Director Philip Aram had even thanked him for the video that he posted. He said, I have no idea why people think I'm harming the negotiations, Doublelift said. The 29-year-old bot laner acknowledged that what he said doesn't help the Players Association, but he's just he doesn't think it's going to hurt the negotiations, and went on to reiterate that Riot canceling the summer split is an outcome that no one wants. Quote, it benefits nobody. I don't even want to, that to be entertained. I don't want anyone to, to think that's going to be entertained. I don't think Philip does because he generally cares about the players, and I think he's going to do a great job. It's like a nuclear button. Why even have that as part of the equation? Everyone will suffer. If the LCS summer is canceled, all players will lose their job for over half the year. We're not getting paid for sitting on our tails, playing solo queue, and turning the stream on. People saying I sabotaged the negotiations are a little bit delusional about that. I just don't want that to happen. No one wants the LCS being canceled, unquote. Doublelift then said if he knew there was a chance the summer split would be canceled because of this standoff between the association, Riot, and the teams, he, quote, wouldn't even want there to be negotiations. That's so crazy. 50 people will not have a job. All the LCS orgs are going to be super devalued. We will not have a job. That's crazy. I don't think anyone wants that to be the leverage. I didn't think anyone was thinking that because we would refuse to play. The LCS would be canceled indefinitely, end quote. So as a reminder, Riot Games has postponed the start of the LCS summer split to June 15th. This is to give all parties involved more time to find common ground. For the time being, Riot and the LCSPA are refraining from making public comments on the matter as to not disrupt the ongoing talks. GameSpot has our next article. A major COD cheat provider is shutting down after Activision makes a legal threat. Mobius, a Call of Duty cheat provider, is shutting down after it received a cease and desist notice from Activision. The provider was home to about 3,000 users making it one of the largest cheat operations available. A statement from Mobius states, someone affiliated with the team Mobius was given a cease and desist by Activision today. We're going to comply with it by shutting down everything. I hope you all understand, end quote. 
This news is coming after Activision started cracking down on third-party software such as SM2, a Call of Duty mod that pulled features from fan-favorite games in the series. Activision also issued the same cease and desist to X-Labs, which is a fan-made mod. The cheating issue in recent Call of Duty titles has caused tremendous frustration. In the original Warzone, the cheats got so out of hand, it drove so many players away from that game. So Activision implemented an anti-cheat software called Ricochet into Modern Warfare 2 and Warzone 2, which has certainly helped. The company has also banned cheaters in mass quantities. But since Warzone 2 is a free-to-play game, it's easy for players to just simply create a new account, which is exacerbating the cheating problem overall. For now, Activision is currently developing the 2023 Call of Duty game, which is reportedly Modern Warfare 3, a follow-up to 2022's installment. All right, for our last article of the day, we're going to go over to Desherto. And Desherto has an article that's detailing something that Twitch is up to, and we just know it's never going to be good. All right, so what's going on? Twitch has decided to make some new changes. Surprise. And now here comes Asmongold. Asmongold is a prominent streamer, and he's calling for other creators to boycott Twitch after they announce some major changes that are coming to branded broadcasts. Twitch revealed its new guidelines for branded streams. Included in these changes are restrictions on what kind of, quote, burned-in advertisements are allowed, meaning these ads can't be a direct part of the actual stream. They also are rolling out restrictions for what kinds of branded content is allowed. The site does not allow the promotion of illegal substances, scams, or hateful products or services, but more shockingly, Twitch is also banning branded streams for, quote, political content, adult-oriented products or services, weapons, tobacco products, certain financial products and services, and, quote, medical facilities and products. Now, they've also gone on to say that your logo on stream has to be 3% or less on the stream, on the screen. Um, a couple other things, but the guidelines have sparked a storm of backlash on social media where several mainstream broadcasters are speaking out and are actually encouraging the bro- this boycott as well. So Asmongold has stepped in. Now he recently is stepping back from streaming per- for a personal reason. He's having anxiety, completely understandable. And so he's taking a mental health break, but he's starting to urge these other creators who stream to boycott as a result of these restrictions or even leave the platform altogether. Quote, I don't say it lightly, but I think this is a legitimate situation where streamers should consider boycotting Twitch or moving to other platforms, making common and harmless forms of advertisement literally against the terms of service so Twitch can monopolize more of the streamer's income. Unquote. That's a direct quote from his Twitter account at Asmongold. Now, he's not the only one that's feeling this way. There's a slew of other popular broadcasters who've spoken out, one of them being Jack Courage Dunlop, who moved to YouTube gaming back in uh, 2019. He was one of the first creators to jump ship. Um, He, and then when Dr. Disrespect got basically canceled off of Twitch, he jumped shipped over there too. Um, Ninja's been back and forth. 
So it's not unusual to see streamers leaving for various reasons, but we may see another outflux of streamers going somewhere else. He said, this is Courage saying, joining YouTube gaming in 2019 was the greatest decision of my entire career. Reminder, YouTube has gifted members. YouTube has a 70-30 split for creators and more discoverability with their shorts program. So you can have the little small thumbnail short videos. Other streamers offered criticism over Twitch's impact on grassroots esports tournaments with Jericho writing, putting aside the fact that almost every sponsor I have ever done has necessitated these things, how the beep does ESL or any other grassroots organization ever run a profitable tournament ever again? Now, Desherto has reached out to Twitch for comment on its new branded guidelines, have not received a response yet, but this is still a breaking story. It's unclear that what Twitch is going to do, but it is clear that streamers aren't happy with this latest move as the platform continues to come under fire. A development that follows a trend of many big-time broadcasters making this move from Twitch to other sites like Rumble or Kick. Now, in true Twitch fashion, just a few hours after they made this announcement about these changes, they started backpedaling. Big surprise, I know. They tweeted out, Today's branded content policy update was overly broad. This created confusion and frustration, and we apologize for that. We do not intend to limit streamers' ability to enter into direct relationships with sponsors. And we understand that this is an important part of how streamers earn revenue. We wanted to clarify our existing ads policy that was intended to prohibit third-party ad networks from selling burned-in video and display ads on Twitch, which is consistent with other services. We missed the mark with the policy language, and we will rewrite the guidelines to be clearer. Thank you for sharing your concerns, and we appreciate the feedback. We will notify the community once we have updated the language. This is visible still on their Twitter feed for all to read and all of the comments that follow. He said this was posted shortly after they had made this policy change announcement and had seen the massive backlash from many of these streamers, such as Asmongold. So what remains to be seen is what Twitch is actually going to do uh, with this policy, if they're going to completely delete it, rewrite it, how it's going to happen. But we're going to be watching to see and see how many people are actually going to leave the platform over this announcement. I want to take this next moment now to say thank you. Thank you to everyone for joining me on this journey. The process of making a podcast can be really fun, but daunting at times, and your support makes it well worth it. I love taking you through the gaming news jungle, and I invite you to check out our new episodes each week to see where our paths will take us. If you have any awesome stories you would like featured, a weird fact that you just want to share with the world, or just say hi, please email us at thestarterzone at gmail.com. Until next level, this has been Amanda in the Starter Zone. Good luck and have fun. Music